Welcome to the very first episode of the Beamer Growth Stories podcast. Hi, so I'm Rebecca Crook, co-chair of Beamer's Future Growth Council. I bring 25 years agency experience specialising in growth and scaling agencies. I'm currently at CINT, a global digital specialist with almost 7,000 people, and I'm chief growth officer helping to grow and scale the business and build the brand. And I'm your co-host, Matt Simpson, Managing Director at Candy Space. We're an agency specialising in design and build of digital products, formerly of Zone and Cognizant, and also part of the Beamer Future Growth Council. And I'm really delighted today to introduce our first two guests of our first ever podcast. Johnny Two, CEO of Lab Group, a collection of five agencies with expertise across technology, marketing, data-led human insights, communication and creativity. And Rebecca Vickery, Managing Director at Brave Spark, part of MSQ Partners, a creative studio based in the UK. So welcome to both of you. Thank you. Yes, Thank you very much. to be here. So before we start firing questions at Rebecca, uh, we've got two Rebeccas, we thought we'd make it hard for ourselves. Uh, Rebecca V, first Rebecca C and I should just explain why we're doing the Beamer Growth Stories podcast and what sort of inspired it. So Rebecca... This is going to be a bi-monthly discussion of uh, topics that are super relevant to agencies of all sizes across the Beamer community and family, but it's always going to be focused on growth, discussing challenges and opportunities, as well as kinds of useful tips from um, our guests. And we're going to be chatting to our guests from a range of agencies with the intention that wherever you you are on your journey of growth at your agency, you'll be able to take away some really useful and helpful insights and bring them back into your business. I don't think I've ever met an agency leader who doesn't want to grow their agency, have you? No, everybody wants growth, everybody. (laughs) But that brings us on to our topic for this time, which is recession. It's hard to grow in a recession, right? I should say, first of all, that we're not technically in a recession, though I think we can all probably agree our economy is in a catastrophic state of disrepair. Yeah. But yeah, we're going to talk a bit about, okay, if you're an agency leader, like how do you survive in a recession? What are the strategies you can use? How do you navigate your cash flow? How do you manage costs? How can you build resilience for what might be around the corner? So let's get straight into it. Yeah, I mean, it is a bit doom and gloom out there at the moment. And I think all of our clients are having uh, challenging times. And I think as agency leaders, we're, we're probably feeling the pinch too. So I wanted to dive straight into, I guess, strategies for surviving in recession or maybe not quite recession, as Matt said. So kind of what are some of the key strategies that you've both kind of implemented in your own businesses or in previous roles that you think agencies should be looking at doing whilst we're kind of in this weird moment? couple at Brave Spark, I think the first is to keep conversations with clients going so even when there's not live briefs or new briefs kind of in progress really finding opportunities to talk to clients whether it's sharing them thought leadership inviting them to events or even actually leaning into their challenges we found during a couple of the lockdowns actually getting different types of clients together to discuss their challenges to share learnings to share resources was really actually invaluable for them and as an agency leader to hear those kind of insights firsthand of what brands are actually going through is really useful as thought leadership content to then kind of give to your wider network so we found that really great and I think even if you can't get different clients together just one-to-one chats with them um, telling them about the challenges your business has gone through as much as theirs is just a really great way to, to keep the conversation going and the relationship there even when there's not kind of live projects. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about that added value, isn't it, for clients, because they're all looking for kind of what they can get from their partners. Johnny, like from your perspective, how do you think agencies can maybe kind of pivot their services to kind of meet the challenges and the demands that clients have got at the moment during this kind of recession phase? 
Well, I think, first of all, you know, when it comes to recessions and um, economic downturns or whatever label is put on this, um, I think people need to keep their head about it because, you know, um, even if it is a 3% drop in GDP for a country, you know, what does that really mean for agencies? And actually, most agencies are tiny businesses, you know, so, you know, are they going to get wrapped up in these major sort of macro, you know, trends that they're reading about in the newspapers? Probably not. Um, probably the sectors they're going after or whatever aren't going to be that affected. Maybe they are. I think, you know, I think the most important thing is to keep your head in, in any kind of situation like this. And I've been through enough of them to know that, you know, people come out the other side of it and, and generally not, you know, things don't get that affected that badly. But, um, you know, things slow down. I think people need to prepare for, you know, the, the worst. Um, people need to make sure that they are, you know, keeping cash, keeping costs, you know, costs low. Investments need to be really thought through sensibly. Because um, I think that's where a lot of people go wrong is that in, in many agencies that I know, they get overexcited about opportunity, they get overexcited about investments. And sometimes, I think, certainly during a recession or, or downturn, it's the time where you need to just be focusing on the agency, just be focusing on the disciplines that make an agency, as Rebecca was talking about, those brilliant disciplines that help you to um, to you know become more valuable to your client and everything else. Now, when it comes to services, I think um, you know is a recession the best place to pivot? Probably not. Like <laughs> um, really, it's probably the best best time to sort of just get your head down and to keep doing what you do and doing it well. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of businesses try and pivot in, in circumstances like that, and it makes it very hard. Um, to be fair, I did see some very successful pivots during COVID um, where, well, I say pivots, it's more like thrashing about, hoping for the best, um, where I think a lot of us are doing that. But um, And I think what happened really there was um, probably the most successful ones I saw was a lot of agencies that pivoted towards um, public sector work, um, which actually was very, very successful for them. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't necessarily advise people launching new services at a time like this. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, a risky, it's a risky place to be investing in new strategies, and most of those strategies are pretty long-term anyway, you know, to be established for services or whatever. So I guess kind of stick to your heartland and kind of your DNA and kind of where, where your specialism is and try and build out from that really rather than launching new things. You picked up on just one one thing I'd love to hear views from both of you on and it was around I guess pricing models. So we all know that clients want everything as cost effectively as possible and I guess agencies always feel squeezed around kind of uh, rate cards and, and, and margins and so on. How do you think at the moment agencies can maybe adapt to, with regards to their pricing model, to be competitive at the moment so that their clients do feel they are getting good value? Can we be more entrepreneurial? Can we be more creative in our thinking around how we're remunerated as agencies? You know, if, if you look at the trend over the last decade, say, but particularly over the last five years, you know, um, most people who are talking about agency strategy and growth and and the future of an agency is talking about going um, up the value chain and and you can see why you know um, technology is commoditizing a lot of what we're doing uh, the last year has been <laughs> mind-blowing in terms of how quickly creativity has been uh, commoditized um, as as copywriting as as programming you know and it's only increasing uh, an exponential factor it's crazy so I think, you know, 
it's, it's easy to get into race to the bottom when it comes to pricing strategy and to, um, you know, try and win work by um, decreasing price. But the reality is, is that, you know, for the last probably two years, maybe 18 months, uh, almost all agencies have been in a situation where they've had to significantly increase people's wages as a result of inflation, and in many cases, rightly so. In many cases, unfortunately, due to lack of um, uh, lack of uh, workers in this country, um, and uh, and generally in our in our skill sets anyway, um, it's been very tough, and people have had to pay a lot more. And now everyone's looking at their their P&Ls and they're seeing what's happened and they're seeing why are our people costs so high. And that's why there's waves of redundancies going through the uh, industry right now. Um, and understandably, it was always going to happen, right? Um, so, you know, the, the reality is, is costs are going up. So having a pricing strategy where you're starting to reduce those prices to win work is just a race to, you know, effectively agency suicide, if you ask me. So I think the, the focus on quality and the focus on uh, moving up the value chain into more strategic work, more cognitive, more planning work, that's where um, there's the only kind of safe space left for agencies, really. Yeah, I think I'd echo everything Johnny's just said there. I think one thing that we've been doing rather than dropping prices is actually thinking about how we price up projects. So rather than committing clients to two, three months of um, project scopes, actually breaking that down into more agile ways of working, three, four week sprints where the clients don't feel like they're committing as much, but they're still seeing the kind of projects move and um, progress from that. And I think from an agency point of view, not ideal because it makes revenue forecasting a bit trickier, but at the same time, it means that revenue is coming in, projects aren't being put on hold. So I think any ways just to show clients that you can work in slightly different, more adaptable, agile ways is really, really important. Great, yeah, definitely about measured uh, balance, I think, with pricing for sure. (laughs) So just to pick up on a couple of things you said there. So, Johnny, you said that the macroeconomic conditions going on at the moment might not necessarily affect agencies, but are you either of you not seeing any effect any of your clients penny pinching lack of opportunities we're definitely seeing it um you know and the vast majority of people that i'm speaking to are seeing it in one way or another um uh, i would say smaller agencies uh not so much because of the size of projects they're working on uh it's much easier for a client to sign off a you know a five ten even fifty grand project than it is to sign off a hundred two hundred million pound project right um it's the level of scrutiny and um how angry the cfo is because i think you know we all know that cfos move as as a as a flock um or a murder um we'll call that that's a collective noun of cfos now a murder like in you know i think that's that's <laughs> rooks isn't it why have i got a, 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 yeah crows crows yeah not rooks i like it it suits cfos perfectly but that's exactly i think you know the cfos are they do move together and they are you know, always in that kind of position where um, they're going to be, you know, more defensive. And when, you know, when you're dealing with bigger projects, you're dealing with businesses which have CFOs in them. And and at that point, you know, they will be constantly looking at the climate, what's going on, mm. and whether or not they're going to invest or anything. And, you know, I was reading a report not so long ago, I think it was published on the BBC, showing that um, sentiment has changed, um, which is really positive, you know. So more CFOs are now looking, uh, I think the, 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 the balance went to, more, more towards positivity from CFOs in this country than negativity mm-hmm. for the first time in quite a while. But that doesn't stop the fact that since Brexit, you know, the investment in this country has been extremely low. 
So it's really hard. So I think um, the other thing I'm seeing is that businesses, uh, agencies with um, uh, purely sort of domestic business um, are probably suffering slightly more than those with um, a bit of a wider scope. So Europe and um, uh, particularly America. So they seem to be doing a little bit better. But um, but it makes it tough. You know, mm. we've got we've got really, really difficult um uh, a really difficult environment for investment in this country you know since we've had brexit we've had the wonders of well obviously we've had covid and then we had the wonders of liz truss throwing a you know economic um, hand grenade uh into the you know into the, uh, the system so you know we've had a, a, a range of problems and you know i wake up every day and all i pray for is to look at the bbc news website and not have something about government policy in it because you know, I think a stable government means that the government doesn't get talked about. Policy doesn't need to get talked about. I don't want to read about mm. strikes. I don't want to read about war. I don't want to read about all of these things. I just want stability because that's where people start making you know investments again, particularly in um, you know big corporates making investments again, which trickles down to all agencies of all yeah. sizes. Are you feeling the pinch, Rebecca? Yeah, but I think to Johnny's point, I think in a smaller agency, less so. Um, But I do think it goes to show that having a breadth of different clients is really important because they are all affected in very different ways. Even when we kind of work with Trevento, who's a famous wine brand in the UK, uh, throughout the kind of recession, um, when people were kind of in lockdown and buying more wine from the supermarkets, their business was actually thriving, whereas others weren't. So I think just getting a range of different types of businesses is really important. Like we say, just kind of sharing those learnings across them and trying where possible to get kind of board level approval on projects as well make sure that you keep you keep doing that and showing the kind of importance of the work that you're you're doing for those businesses we quite often go back to data from years ago about in recessions how much you actually need to invest in brand and the difference that it can make to businesses to help push them forward rather than pulling out of investment um all of those studies exist from years ago so it's not really new news in that respect Makes sense. I think one, one thing to add is that one of the things we're having lots of conversations with mm-hmm. our clients right now is that they're all panicking a bit mm-hmm. because they realise that they've massively underinvested, yeah. um, particularly yeah. in this country, but overall in their brand. And I think um, some of that is the lag from COVID. You know, mm-hmm. people really didn't invest during those yeah. times. And so we're kind of in that situation now where there is a bit of panic investment yeah. going on, um, which is great for agencies because it's, it's immediate. It's, you know, we need to do this happy to pay a premium kind of um, investments, which is good. Um, but we're also still seeing the, the, the reticence, the, 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 the sort of fear of, well, what's going to happen tomorrow? Yeah. You, know, um, you know, is it going to be a, a, good, a good week tomorrow or a bad week? You know, what are we going to be reading the news? More yeah. wars, more, you know, more inflation. Um, you know, there's, there's so many different things that people are worried about. And, and obviously there's the, the technological disruptions that are happening constantly as well. So, you know, is, do we invest in, you know, do we sign off with this content agency or do we just train some of our guys up in, you know, in chat GPT? Um, and that's a big conversation that's happening yeah. in, a, in, a, in a lot of businesses right now. So, so if, if you're both saying hold your nerve on price, don't get involved in a race to the bottom, but you are feeling the pinch of clients spending less, maybe fewer opportunities. If you do need to cut cost, where do you start? Um, one of the things, because we have quite a big production heritage, do quite a lot of big shoots, we um, more recently have been looking at kind of our supplier list. So we use quite a lot of reoccurring suppliers um, 
And I think just looking over a six to 12 month period of how much you actually use those people to get kind of volume related discounts is really important. But also it gives those businesses a bit of certainty on revenue as well. So it's actually a bit of a win-win just to look more strategically about the suppliers you're using and try and kind of build those longer standing relationships with them. Because when we look at the list, there's always the same type of suppliers that we go back to and we use time and time again. And I think the same goes for freelancers as well. It's really easy and um, you know, tough times to, to put freelancers on projects and get the work done really quickly. But I think if you can just try and get a little bit of a longer term view, be a little bit less ad hoc with that, again, you can just get more favourable rates and plan for the longer term. So I think, yeah, just, just kind of keeping an eye on those supplier costs in any ways to, to get those down um, is really useful, especially mm. in production. Yeah, I think um, that's just a brilliant answer. Um, I uh, yeah, all of those things, uh, any deals you can do with people, um, and also I think you know uh, agencies are notorious for their sort of ego spending as well. Um, you know, big offices and whatever. And I think you know there is just no, there's no scope for that anymore. Yeah. I don't think. I should say we're recording this in Johnny's massive office. <laughs> yeah, in Soho. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <And the basement. laughs> Um, which which is it's an eager purchase is going um, <laughs> I admit it um, uh, it's you know but I think it's really really essential to 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 sort of batten down um, you know there isn't as much margin in agency work anymore um, and we've seen that you know we've seen over the last few years clients getting smarter in housing stuff um, and it's always a, it's always a cycle but I think it's really changing as well in terms of um, you know, uh, companies are kind of knowing what they need to do, what their mm. stack is, whether it's creative advertising, technology, whatever. They know what they need to do, and either you know, they can either do it through agencies or they can start building their own teams. And so, as a, you know, and, and I think most agencies now have kind of hybrid teams working with you know people inside um, businesses. So uh, I don't know there, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, cost cutting discussions that I think should be happening at every agency, and I think um, there's. Uh, there's lots of luxuries that, that aren't needed. Um, and, and also, as I said, I said before, I mentioned it before, there was a lot of people that were panic hired over the last 18 months um, at probably 20, 30% more than they're worth. So this is why we're seeing a wave of redundancies in the industry is because people are looking at it going, yeah, that was wrong. And now those people have, you know, they've creamed it for 12 months, 18 months, but now they're going to be out. So Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. We touched on it earlier, the battle for talent, the cost of living crisis, the rise in wages. How do you manage that in an environment where you may have, you know, two or three year contracts with clients where you can't just put up your rates at the same amount? Um, I mean, one thing that we're doing more and more is kind of assessing the skill sets we have in the business. I think when you interview people, you're really kind of laser focused on what are their skills. And actually, I think agencies are quite guilty as people continue to be in the business. It's not necessarily something that's monitored. What skills have they grown? What have they developed? What are they passionate about? What are the side-lined things they do out of work that, that they want to kind of do more in work? And we really try and let people wear different hats at Bruce Work as much as we can as part of growth and development. And I think before you have to go and get a new permanent role or you need to bring in freelance resource, I think just looking at who you have in the business and giving people the safe space to be able to grow new skill sets and kind of upskill a little bit internally is really important to us. Um, I think from a cost efficiency point of view, it's, it's really important as well to, to be monitoring those types of things and not just hiring for the sake of it. And like Johnny says, then having to lay people off, that's not really responsible way of Agreed. doing business. Yeah. So. And just kind of coming on to building resilience, I guess we, we've touched a little bit on, I guess, kind of what previous recessions and downturns have taught us. 
What do you think agencies can learn from those and kind of how might you adopt it in your business? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really difficult question. Um, not making it easy. No, I know. <laughs> I know. You're not, are you? Um, in, terms, in terms of resilience, um, I, th- I think with, it, with any business, let alone an agency, it's sort of like an MBA kind of uh, lesson here, but, you know, it, it's, it's balancing variable costs, right? Because um, agencies' costs typically are, you know, an office and people, right? The vast majority of the cost of people. And, um, and it, it's, it's always about having that, that right balance between the fixed costs of the, the mm. you know, permanent people and the variable costs of freelancers, contractors, outsourced partners, whatever it might be. And I think getting that right is, is absolutely essential. And I think I, I see that, um, you know, I've been in the industry for 20 odd years. So, you know, I've seen the, the, the cycles that happen where um, there's a downturn and, and clients will do the same thing where they'll then outsource everything. They want they want to limit their headcount. They'll make those be redundant. They want to outsource everything to agencies. And then they'll hit a good time again and they'll go, why are we wasting all this profit outsourcing to agencies? And they'll start to bring it in-house again. And, and it's kind of a cycle. And, I, and agencies kind of do the same thing as well. But I think from a resilience point of view, I think to be able to balance your, um, uh, your cost base, um, you know, to be able to sort of, you know, you know turn on a dime you know as it were that's that I think is absolutely essential to be able to respond to the market um, and I think most agencies are in a position where they where they would struggle to do that so I think that's really really important um, but the other thing is you know Rebecca said earlier you know it's, it's about getting those disciplines in place mm-hmm. and you know there's no there's no escaping I can't remember I read it somewhere I think it was in like Craig Kramer's CEO tools or something there's a great quote which is um, you know you can't pay someone to do your press ups you know you, you can't outsource those things you've got to go and do them yourself right and there's certain things you just can't not do <laughs> in an agency so you know those the, the networking right the, the branding the brand work and the promotion um, the culture you know I'd love to outsource networking <laughs> I think there's a business in that oh goodness me it'd be great wouldn't it um, yeah yeah. Um, you know, actually, I quite like networking. To be honest, I'm quite, I'm quite extroverted, so I love that bit of my job. Um, but I think I think that's the you know that's the thing is that as long as you know resilience, I think comes from doing those things well. And so when you need to fall back on them, you do it well. It's like um, people take client relationships for granted, um, but it's it's those moments where you really need to lean on a relationship that you think, oh God, yeah. why didn't I? Um, you know, and I think that's what it comes down to ultimately is about constantly feathering your nest properly, um, preparing for that future, um, so that if you know these things do happen again, um, then you know you're prepared for them. And I do think that you know the cyclical nature of the economy is partially a reflection of the cyclical nature of human beings um, as is war and everything else that we seem to go through time and time that again. That is deep. So, yeah, it is deep isn't it but it's just what happens right it's right. what happens the confidence comes you get you know you rest on your laurels you know and then you come into a, a big problem again and, and you know I say it, I've said it to a thousand agency owners in talks to Beamer and to all sorts of other organizations but you know it's um it's just one of those things, you know, complacency is the killer um, and it's the killer of most things. And, you know, times like these remind us to go, yeah, it's not as easy as we thought it was, you know, and you, you suck it in and you crack on. So, so in picking up on that complacency word, because I think it's quite interesting, we, we spoke a little bit earlier around, Rebecca, you said particularly around, let's, you know, you've done worked really hard to make sure you've got quite a breadth of clients. They're not all in the same sectors and yeah. industries. How easy is it for agencies to do that? Because... 
brilliant thing to do but it's actually quite challenging to have a diverse range of clients and so how, how do you go about doing that what, what kind of tips would you give in that area it's quite interesting because we don't necessarily go after a specific type of um, sector industry we very much look for clients that align with our mindset and I suppose in pictures you always talk about chemistry with clients and that's very much about the client making sure they've got chemistry with the agency, but it's also making sure the agency have chemistry with the client. And we're always very clear on what we're looking for in clients. It's the ones that want to make big leaps forward. They genuinely want to make business change happen. They want to work collaboratively as part of kind of blended teams with us. And they also want to move really fast because we work very, very quickly at Brave Spark. And I think just being very clear on the type of client you're looking for is kind of essential to them being able to find them. Um, We also do quite a lot of kind of client surveys every six months and that again provides quite valuable insight around why clients like working with us, what type of clients are likely to like working with us in the future. Um, And also just being like really upfront about what type of clients you probably don't work well with because that's a waste of agency time and client time. So it's as much about who you work with as who you don't work with as well as you kind of start to grow and you get bigger as an agency. Yeah, really good points there. I guess kind of when times are hard, it's really hard for an agency sometimes to stay true to itself and go, oh, but they're the right DNA for us. So it's a really great cultural fit. They want to do cool, ambitious stuff. That's what we want to do too. When, when you need the revenue and you don't want to make redundancies and you don't want to get rid of your people, it's hard, isn't it? How do you balance that as an agency leader? It's tough, actually. I had, I had this test the other day. Um, <laughs> I was tested. Um, I, uh, I was, you know, sitting there thinking, oh, you know, revenue's down, profits are down, you know, whatever. And, and, a, and a guy I used to know, well, I knew him, knew him from quite a while ago, um, he, he, he messaged me on LinkedIn and he said, Johnny, I've got this massive UX project I need some help with. It's, like, really, really urgent. Um, and I was like... Wow, you know, brilliant. Um, you know, ask and you shall receive. I was like, this is great. I was like, yeah, let's talk about it. And so I had a call with him and he was explaining to me about the project. And I was like, oh, it sounds brilliant. And I'm like, well, what, who's the client? And he was like, oh, it's a, it's a casino. And I was like, oh, no. And uh, it was one of those moments actually where, you know, values um, played a part. And this is kind of uh, the... The sort of, I guess it's like the, the sort of the, the test of fortitude, isn't it? It's the, um, the test of resilience. It's the test of, uh, of, of how important your values are. But I said, oh, no, I'm really sorry, mate. We can't work with the... He was like, really? And I was like, yeah, no, I'm sorry. We don't, we don't work with gambling companies. I, mm. You know, I don't mind having a flutter every now and again. I'm not going to lie. But, um, I, I, you know, I just, just won't help promote them. Um, and I won't help, work, I won't help what they do. Um, I've got I'm liberal. I've got nothing against them. You're like, if you want to do it, you do and do it. But I'm just not going to be part of it. So, um, so I had to sort of do that and have that make that decision, which was which was quite tough. And I think you know that's one of the things. Um, like anything that happens, you know, in your life, in your business, you you can't think about what we've got to do right now. It's like when this all this is over, and it probably will blow over. What are people going to think of me? You know, and that's the ultimate the ultimate test of integrity, isn't it? It's like what what will happen after this event? And and, and I, I try and sort of have the two ways of thinking. Like when during COVID, I made a promise to myself: I'm never going to blame anybody, personally or professionally, of what they did during COVID because we were all up against it. And so I said, I'm never going to hold anything against anybody of what they decisions they made because it was tough, right? And we were all under a lot of pressure. But I said to myself, I said, when I come out of COVID, I want to make sure that. People, you know, people will respect the decisions that I made during it, and that's what I wanted to do. And I think, in any times like this, we've all got to kind of keep our heads and uh, and keep our integrity and keep our values as best as we can, right? Like, and and not beat other people up for for making you know poor decisions because we all do, and you know maybe help help them, nudge them towards a better decision. 
Um, but it is, it's a, it's, a, it's a hard time, you know, but I think that's a really important thing because it can really help build your relationships, it can build your culture, it can build everything. And coming out of it is, you know, you've got to come out of it well, you know, and it's tough. But yeah. you've got to you've got to keep your head. Yeah. yeah, and I think in those situations as well, you're doing it on behalf of the whole employee organisation. Every individual, it's not just you as one person making that decision. You're doing it on behalf of everyone. Because, like you say, you've got those values. I think either it's an all or nothing approach. You live by them or you don't. Yeah, no, absolutely. Kind of your ethos, your DNA yeah. is kind of part of who you are, and it's what attracts people to work at your exactly. your agency, and it's kind of what you're selling to clients. So yeah, no, totally admire that. It's yeah, tough call sometimes. Mm. Yeah, I think that point around stability is critical, isn't it, for agencies? There's a lot of sort of high-growth startups and scale-ups who will massively invest when times are good and then very quickly get rid of all of that resource again when it's not. And, yeah, certainly at Candy Space, we try and prioritise stability and sort of sensible decisions around when we do invest and when we do add costs. But, yeah, as we've talked about, you don't know what's around the corner, so you have to do that prudently. I think, we're, I think we're near the end, aren't we? So there's two questions that we're going to ask every single guest in this series. And since you're our first two guests, you get to go first. So outside of recession, Rebecca, maybe let's start with you. What is your one killer growth tip? Mine would be relationships, relationships, relationships. Yeah. That's three. So you're cl- oh, okay, <laughs> relationships. Sorry if you didn't hear me the first time. Yeah. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> just get to know your clients professionally and personally. I think you need to make sure you're building relationships with people and not just brands. Um, clients need to have fun working with you. It needs to be an easy experience. Some of our best client relationships, when clients leave businesses, they take us with them. And I think that is my biggest growth tip is that you build relationships that last beyond the current brands that you you work with they're my my favorite ones and the clients take you with them and you go with them too because you want to so yeah keeping that relationship solid is really important to me excellent and johnny same question to you well i would say the same thing as rebecca but but now now rebecca said that i I better say something else um so i'll say i'll say one percent more right always have one percent more knowledge than your competitors or your customer so if you're working with a customer, um, have 1% more knowledge of their industry uh, and you will always be uh, essential to them. You know, when they're looking at cost cutting, they won't look at you because you're the agency uh, or the account manager or the planner or whoever you are that always knows that little bit more and they'll always go to you. It's only 1% more is all you need to be the most valuable person in the room. And, and it doesn't take much to do that. It just means being a little bit obsessive about reading the industry news or sitting in a subreddit that might be relevant to this or having a source of data which other people don't necessarily have but one percent one percent one percent because everyone will always love you if you are giving them valuable information mm-hmm. they will always love you so that's another thing on top of the the relationship the the emotional connection if you're giving someone value by knowing a little bit more than them then that's really helpful too i think also coming back to that clients just do not have time to do that themselves so the minute you can do it for them that's even more value because they just it's too they just don't have the time yeah. Um, they're not even thinking sometimes looking at their competitors in the landscape so yeah but, but 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 i do agree with relationships first like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I made that up on the spot because you stole relationships so i hope that was valuable <laughs> that was good you've sent you've set the benchmark high the second part of the question is uh what is your one massive growth red herring 
Rebecca? I think for me, it's not to get too caught up in revenue and as revenue grows that you see that as a sign that the business is growing because it doesn't always mean it is. I think that whole classic quote around um, revenues, kind of vanity and profit sanity is really important. You need to make sure you also grow on the bottom line and margins are, are kept maintained and actually grown. And you don't, you just don't get too distracted by um, amazing kind of revenue numbers because it doesn't always show the full picture. So I think just looking holistically at costs as a business is just really important and just making sure that you are keeping those margins so you can reinvest, you can grow the team um, and you can, yeah, you can just grow the business to where you want to get it to. I would just say um, red herring or, or silver bullet. Um, I, I speak to too many people who expect there to be a silver bullet and there's too many people out there selling silver bullets for agency growth. Um, the reality is, and, and, and we all see the sort of clickbaity, you know, um, this podcast hopefully will have a clickbaity title to it so everyone <laughs> watches. But, you know, we, we all see stuff which promises um, easy gains, right? And um, the reality is there aren't any, right? Like there is... Uh, a, a range of disciplines that you need to grow an agency <laughs> and you've all got to do it while keeping your, your integrity and by maintaining your culture and ensuring the bottom line and and maybe having a bit of luck as well you know <laughs> so it's not there is no um there is no quick fix there is no silver bullet and uh, there is just the disciplines around that you get those right and you do them consistently for long enough with a great team around you and you will grow right um that's the that's the truth of it Rebecca and I are going to reveal the silver bullet in episode eight. Yeah. Okay, cool. Keep listening. <laughs> Keep listening. <laughs> you two have given us great um, uh, growth tips and the red herring. I think brilliant. I want to say a massive thank you to both of you for the insights that you've shared and your candid and your open nature, which has been fantastic. Um, I think from, from my perspective, as we kind of wrap up this first edition of the Growth Stories podcast, a couple of things that stuck out for, for me what you to kind of summing up what we've chatted about today. Firstly, sticking to your specialism as an agency. You don't need to necessarily diversify. Um, don't feel that you have to reduce pricing. Uh, we need to value the services that we offer as an agency and we need to demonstrate it, so hold your nerve on price. Um, the CFO doesn't have to be your enemy, I think was a, was a key theme that came through. Um, economically, we need a bit of stability from the government because it does actually impact us and it impacts our clients dramatically. So that stability is super important. Um, having a breadth of different clients we spoke about from different industries is really important because they're going to have different challenges and equally some of them may be thriving in this economic situation at the moment so having that diversification with your clients super important looking at how we have longer-term strategic partnerships with freelancers and suppliers that we use so how we can establish better more meaningful rates with them Cost-cutting conversations should be taking place at all agencies. It's going on everywhere. I think we all know that. We're all ingrained in the industry. Um, and we're seeing some redundancies now. But positive from that is actually looking at more T-shaped people we spoke about and looking at what skills and what experience our teams have got and how they can maybe do more across the agency. And then we spoke about be true to yourself. So work with clients that fit your culture and your DNA as an agency, which I think is a really nice sign-off uh, for everything we've spoken about today. So thank you so much to both of you and thanks so much for Matt co-hosting. Yeah, thank you. Love that. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. It was fun. So the final thing to say is please join me and Rebecca Crook and two more special guests in episode two when we're going to be talking geographic expansion. See you next time.